Welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lay Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. A lot of people have had the experience of dating the wrong person and then doing the same thing over and over again. It's one unhealthy relationship after another. This can be really distressing because you may be seeing all of your friends and family getting married or finding relationship happiness, and you're stuck on the sidelines wondering what you're doing wrong. This all-too-common experience is often the result of our attachment style. Your attachment pattern can lead you into repetitive relationship cycles that can stand in the way of relationship happiness. But if you learn to recognize the cues, it's possible to break the cycle. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to do a deep dive into attachment theory to help you better understand different attachment styles, how to identify your own and that of the people you're dating, and how to move in the direction of more secure attachment. I am joined by Dr. Morgan Anderson, who is a clinical psychologist, attachment theory expert, and author of the new book, Love Magnet. She also hosts the podcast, Let's Get Vulnerable. This is going to be an amazing and very practical conversation. Stick around, and we're going to jump in right after the break. Become a certified sex educator, counselor, or therapist with the Modern Sex Therapy Institutes. MSTI offers 20 certification options in areas including medical sexology, kink, neurodiversity, and LGBTQIA affirmative therapy. They also offer a PhD program in clinical sexology that can be completed in two years and meets all ASEC certification requirements. All programs can be completed 100% online and are flexible and customizable to fit your schedule. You can take live courses the third weekend of each month and choose from over 300 archive workshops taught by renowned experts in the field. For more information, visit ModernSexTherapyInstitutes.com. That's ModernSexTherapyInstitutes.com. Give yourself or your partner a boost in the bedroom this Valentine's Day with FirmTech. Their performance ring is designed to increase your sexual stamina and give you harder, longer-lasting erections while also enhancing pleasure for everyone. Their tech ring has the added benefit of tracking your erectile health when synced with FirmTech's free mobile app, which monitors changes in erection duration, hardness, and more. Take control of your sexual health while increasing sexual performance and satisfaction at the same time. Check the show notes to learn more or visit myfirmtech.com and be sure to use my exclusive discount code JUSTIN20 to save 20% off your purchase. Again, that's myfirmtech.com. Hi, Dr. Morgan, and welcome to the Sex and Psychology Podcast. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. It's wonderful to speak with you. So we're going to do a two-part conversation. And the first part is going to be all about understanding attachment theory. And the second part is going to be about applying principles of this theory to better our own relationships. But as a starting point, let me ask you what it is that got you into attachment theory in the first place. That's a great question. So like many people in the field of clinical psychology, I grew up with my own experience of childhood trauma and watching my dad go through four different marriages. And I just became fascinated with relationships at a very young age. And I myself experienced a lot of toxic dating patterns and would date people that were emotionally unavailable over and over 
And then finally, actually, in my second year of my PhD program, I found myself dating a narcissist. Of course, I didn't know that at the time, but as you can imagine, it ended horribly. And I found myself at this place where I was really at rock bottom in my life. And I had to look in the mirror and say, there's something that I need to do differently. And I really was like, I have to figure out how can I have a healthy relationship? And it was from that point forward, I devoted myself to studying attachment theory in my PhD program and understanding relationship dynamics Because I thought, if I can't do this myself, there's no way I can help other people. So I was just determined to figure out, how do you have a healthy relationship? And that's when I found attachment theory. And it's changed my life and the lives of all the people I've helped. So, Yes. And attachment theory is something that I find resonates with a lot of people. It's one of the most popular frameworks for trying to understand relationships. And I think it's in part because we can all see ourselves in it in some way. We can all relate to it. And to the extent that that can give you a better understanding of yourself and the way that you might want to approach relationships going forward, all the better. So for people who might not be super familiar with attachment theory, let's kind of walk through the different attachment styles that exist one by one, just so that people have a sense of where we're coming from with this. So when you hear the term anxious attachment, What does that mean? How does it show up in a relationship or in dating when somebody has an anxious attachment style? Yes, I'm really excited to dive into this with you. And I think just to start off to let people know that understanding attachment theory allows you to have a framework of understanding why you do what you do in a relationship and why you're attracted to who you're attracted to. And then I just want to preface this with saying that you really can have all of these styles, you you will have one that feels like it is your go-to, but it's normal to say that you have 75% anxious and 25% avoidant. So I just want to preface it with that. But to go back to your question, so with anxious attachment, this is where we are prioritizing maintaining the relationship above all else. And we find ourselves doing anything to maintain that connection. And also, we can never have enough reassurance from our partner. So no matter how much reassurance you're given, you don't quite feel secure in the relationship. A classic example is the person that's sending the 17 text messages, or (laughs) they're just like not trusting that the relationship's going to work out and they're already catastrophizing how the relationship's going to end before it's even started. Yeah, I think a lot of us have have probably been there at one point. Been there, done that. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, <laughs> you know, when people hear that description of anxious attachment and how it might involve prioritizing the relationship, on the one hand, that might sound like a good thing, like that you're really trying to make it work and and last and all of that. But it can also be, that you're prioritizing a really bad and unhealthy relationship. And, you know, to the extent that that keeps you in that dynamic and pattern, that's ultimately an unhealthy thing, right? Yeah. And I think a good way to to think about it is that you 
will do whatever it takes to maintain the connection, even if that means self-abandoning, right? And you and I know that that's not healthy. So you might be not speaking up about your boundaries or not being honest about your values. You'll do whatever you can just to maintain the connection, even if it's not healthy for you to do so. Yeah. And that's something I've seen in the research on sexuality and attachment style, where sometimes people with anxious attachment styles will agree to do things they don't really want that might put themselves at risk because it's in the interest of maintaining that relationship. So one example of that would be maybe you want to use condoms, but your partner doesn't, but you agree to forego safe sex because you want that relationship to continue. So that's one of the ways that anxious attachment can sometimes lead us to do things that aren't in our own self-interest because we're prioritizing the relationship above the self. So anxious attachment is one of the four main attachment styles. Next up, we have avoidant attachment. So what does avoidant attachment look like? So avoidant attachment, you have trouble with intimacy and allowing yourself to be vulnerable. A lot of times there's beliefs that it's not safe for me to depend on someone else. And there's also beliefs that I'll probably fail my partner in some way, that I'm not a good partner. And this is the person who's really learned to live life as an island, is how I like to put it. Like They have learned hyper-independence as a coping strategy. And this might be someone, you go on a date with them, you have an incredible time, you think there's so much chemistry, and then they don't message you for two weeks and you think they fell off the face of the earth. So they really struggle when things are getting close and things are actually going well. That brings up their need to distance and remove themselves. One other thing about avoidant attachment would be struggling with being connected to yourself of even knowing what your own emotions are. There's a real desire to just compartmentalize and not be connected to your inner experience as well. And these people value their independence over the relationship, and they can feel threatened that the relationship might make them lose their independence. So if we stick with that island analogy, somebody who is anxiously attached wants to spend all their time on your island, or they want to merge or join their island and your island, versus somebody who's avoidantly attached is like, all right, I'm going to stay on my island, you're going to stay on yours, and we're going to meet up in the middle sometimes. So when they're existing in their most extreme forms, you know, they are kind of polar opposites. But as you mentioned, you can have traits and characteristics of more than one attachment style. So I like to think of the is existing on a continuum and you can have some degree of anxious tendencies, some degree of avoidant tendencies, neither of them, both of them in their extremes, like it exists in a lot of different ways. So next up, we have disorganized attachment. What exactly does that mean and how does that look in a relationship? So disorganized attachment is really important to explain because I feel like it's not understood as well. So this is only about 5% of people usually connected to childhood trauma. And this is where you experience the pendulum swing between anxious and avoidant styles. So at one moment, you might find yourself in an anxious attachment reaction. And then at the next moment, it might be avoidant attachment. So example could be like, 
you're going on this this great date and you tell your partner, oh my gosh, you know, I, I never want this to end. I love you so much. Please don't ever leave me. And then the next morning you're like, I would be better off with this person. I'm going to go on a trip to Cabo and think about if I even want to be with them anymore. Like really that quick pendulum swing between anxious strategies and avoidant attachment strategies. Very painful. You know, but as you're speaking about this, I'm like, yep, I've dated every single one of these types at one point in time. So finally, our fourth attachment style is secure attachment. So what does it mean to be securely attached? Yes, and I could talk about this forever. So secure attachment, where we all want to be, this is the place where we say my needs matter and my partner's needs matter. I value myself and my independence. I also value my connection with my partner and I want to be connected. I understand that I can set boundaries, that I can communicate clearly, ask for what I need. I'm open to giving and receiving love. And I view relationships as a valuable part of life. And I also know that relationships are abundant and that there's always people that I can build a great relationship with. And I find a lot of joy and fulfillment in my relationships. And this is also where you're able to say, I understand my own emotions. I'm curious about myself. And I'm also deeply curious about my partner. And I value understanding my partner. So obviously, this is where we all want to be. So whenever I talk about attachment styles and attachment theory, I like to point out that, you know, different people have different styles and you can be a good person and have any attachment style and you can be somebody who is worth being in a relationship with no matter what your attachment style is. But it is true that more often than not, people want to gravitate toward secure attachment. You know, it tends to be prioritized and viewed favorably. And, you know, part of it is just the the labeling, you know, the terminology that we apply here when we say secure versus insecure. Well, security necessarily sounds better. And so it's something people are striving for. But you never hear somebody say, gosh, I wish I was more anxious or, or more <laughs> avoidant, you know. It, yeah. I mean, maybe you would hear somebody say that, but it would be pretty uncommon. So yes, people, for the most part, want to gravitate in that direction of security. I want to just add something, Justin. I'm sorry. Just I, I think it's really great that you pointed this out. It's not as if we are choosing these, right? It's like you have learned ways of being in relationships that develop as you grow. And those learned ways of being are not necessarily bad or wrong. It's just the template that developed from your early experiences and you empower yourself when you begin to understand that template. And I absolutely believe that we all have the capacity to learn to move to secure attachment and just spend more of our time there. That's not to say that we won't ever experience anxious or avoidant tendencies, but that we can learn to spend the majority of our time in a securely attached place. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think about it, that... This is just your template for approaching relationships. And you can either learn to work within that template or you can expand it or change it in some way. So I think that's really the key here. Now, I appreciate the description of these four attachment styles that you shared with us, but I'm guessing that as some of my listeners were digesting all of that information, they were wondering, 
well, which attachment style am I? And, you know, as you mentioned, people can have traits and characteristics of more than one attachment style, but how can you go about knowing what your attachment style is? Great question. I have a couple of ways. So I actually have a book that came out called Love Magnet, Get Off the Dating Roller Coaster and Attract the Love You Deserve. And I really break down attachment theory inside of that book. And I talk about thoughts and behaviors. And as you go through the book, you'd easily be able to determine which attachment style you have. And then if you want a shortcut, I also have an attachment style quiz in my Instagram bio, you could go and take that quiz and it will tell you the percentage styles that you have. So I like that quiz instead of other ones because of that fact that it breaks it down on the percentages. Yeah, you know, it's funny when I learned about attachment theory way back in my undergraduate psychology training, you know, our understanding of it was different then. And they really only talked about three attachment styles and it was secure or anxious or avoidant. And basically to determine what your style was, they just gave you one paragraph that described each one and you just picked (laughs) which one. Um, Today, it's a bit more nuanced in terms of how we determine what somebody's attachment style is. And now we see it as existing on this continuum. So it's been interesting to watch kind of the evolution of this theory over time and the way that it's applied. Oh, absolutely. Yes. And the fact that we used to think that it was only determined by your relationship with your parents. And now we have a lot of research backing up that it can also be impacted by your romantic relationships as well. Yeah, the field has definitely come a long way, which is great to see. Absolutely. So understanding your own attachment style is important, but so is understanding your partners. Now, short of just giving them the quiz to determine what their attachment style is, are there any signs you can look for if you're, say, dating someone to help determine what their attachment pattern might be? Great question. I think one thing to look for is just someone's willingness to be vulnerable and be open. If they're really struggling to open up or you notice that every time you have a good interaction with them, maybe they pull away or it's that person who isn't texting you back right away, maybe they struggle with their communication, that could be an indication of avoidant attachment. I also think when thinking about anxious attachment, we can look for that person that needs a lot of reassurance. Maybe they're almost over-communicating. They're wanting to verify things with you a lot. Maybe they're sending you that good morning and the good night text. So I think in early stages of dating, communication is a great place to look at to try to gauge someone's attachment style. Yeah, I think you can absolutely learn a lot, but you have to be attentive. You have to know what kind of cues and things to look for in terms of trying to figure this out. Now, our attachment roots run very deep, but you say it's possible to change them. You know, it's possible to change our template for approaching relationships. So if you want to move in the direction of becoming more securely attached, what's the starting point for that? You know, where do you even begin when it comes to moving in the direction of being more securely attached? So we could be here for four hours, but I will give you the quick version here. (laughs) Definitely what we're talking about already, which is that awareness piece of just understanding what is your current template. And then I talk about this in the book as well, but I have an exercise called the relationship inventory. 
And this allows you to take that 30,000 foot view of your past relationships and look at those dynamics and the beliefs that were developed so that you can understand how your current template was created. Because I know that in order to release things that are not serving us, we do so much better when we understand where they came from and how they were developed. Because once we have that understanding, then we develop compassion. And when we have compassion, we're able to release things. Without compassion, we really struggle to release what's not serving us. Yeah, so it sounds like it really starts with working on the self a little bit, gaining some self-understanding, and then also being generous and compassionate with yourself. And I think also recognizing that it might not be a short and easy process to do this. You know, I think with any time you're trying to make some change to the self, it's it's a work in progress. It's going to take some time and it's not always going to be a smooth road. And as you mentioned, you know, those avoidant tendencies or anxious tendencies might come back at different points in time, but that's just to be expected. It's part of the process. But at the beginning of the show, you talked a little bit about your own dating history, and you talk about this in your book as well. So I'm just curious if you can share any personal information about, you know, what your journey was like in terms of becoming more securely attached and the things that were most helpful to you along the way. Great question. Yeah, I think I always tell people if I can become securely attached, anyone can, because I really do believe that I was experiencing disorganized attachment patterns where I would swing back and forth from anxious to avoidant. And I was so attracted to emotionally unavailable partners over and over and over again. I would pick people who were unable to give me love. And I think I had to get to this place where it just became so painful that I knew that I couldn't do it again, which is that rock bottom place I talk about when I was dating the narcissist. But what really, really helped me is I have had such a a vision for wanting a family in my life. And I think I just came to this place of I have to change. I have to learn how to show up differently because I really, really want to have family. I want to have kids. I want to have that partner that I can travel the world with and that person who's my best friend. So I I had that really strong desire. And then honestly, understanding attachment theory and applying it to my dating life just gave me that understanding of what was happening so that I could show up with compassion where If I was showing up with an anxious attachment strategy, I was no longer judging myself. I was able to say, oh, there's my anxious attachment, right? I wonder how can I show up as the securely attached version of myself? And it was kind of that gentle observer that we hear so many people talk about. And having that stance really helped me move to secure attachment The other thing, which I do talk about in the book, and I think this is so helpful, was just unpacking my beliefs that I had. I had beliefs about myself and I had beliefs about relationships that were not serving me at all. And I had to learn about neuro-linguistic programming so that I could change my entire belief system 
Because in the past, I believe things like I will only be valued based on what I look like on the outside, right? That men only want me if I look a certain way. I had beliefs about that I'm not actually worthy of receiving love, that I have to work really, really hard to earn love. So I had all these unhelpful, terrible beliefs that were impacting my my dating life. And part of my healing process was looking at those, which is really painful, and then deciding to create a new belief system, which I totally talk about in the book. And anyone can do that. If you're listening, you're like, how, you know, anyone can do it. And that's why I wanted to write about it in the book. I appreciate you sharing all of that. And I think it's very relatable in a lot of ways. And I think the part that you mentioned about kind of having the incentive is really crucial here, you know, because it's very easy to just have these dating patterns that you fall into that emerge over and over and you're just like, nothing ever works. And if you don't have a motivation to break that pattern, then you're just going to keep falling in that same cycle. And so for you getting that sort of clarity on what do I really want in life and having a family and having this certain type of relationship, you know, if you can make those priorities, those goals have that incentive, that can be the motivation that you need to really do these changes that that are quite hard. You know, as you mentioned, anybody can do it, but I think you got to have the incentive first to make it commensurate with the work that's going to be required on yourself. Now, let's say you've cultivated a secure attachment style, but you're attracted to somebody who's insecurely attached. Can you make that relationship work? And is there anything you can do to help a partner cultivate a more secure attachment style? People say, oh my gosh, am I doomed if I'm anxious and my partner's avoidant? And the answer is you are not doomed. Yes, if you have two people with a dysregulated attachment style, so anything that's not secure, you can help each other move towards secure attachment. What is required is that both people want to do that healing work and that both people are willing to tune into each other and learn what the needs are to help each other create secure attachment. And I think what what else is really, really important is that both people realize it's not your job to heal the other person. It's simply your job to support your partner in doing their own healing work. So not taking on, ooh, I can fix him or I can fix her, but how can I support them and create a relationship dynamic that supports them in healing their attachment style? I love that, especially the part about how it's a bad idea to go into a relationship thinking you're going to fix someone else. That usually never works out. And it's because people have to have their own motivation, their own incentive to change. And if they don't want to change and you're trying to force change on them, that's just not going to go to a positive place. Thank you so much, Dr. Morgan, for helping us to better understand attachment theory. I am so looking forward to our next conversation where we're really going to dive into how you can apply this in your dating life. It was a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work and get a copy of your new book? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed this. 
The best way to connect with me is on Instagram at drmorgancoaching, Dr. Morgan Coaching. I also have a podcast called Let's Get Vulnerable, where I talk a lot about attachment theory. So if you're interested in that, and then Love Magnet, Get Off the Dating Roller Coaster, Attract the Love You Deserve. The book is available on Amazon. So thank you so much for having me. This has been really great. Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate having you here. Also, thank you to my listeners. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Mm-hmm.